All right, Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. It's a privilege. It's an honor. I don't take it lightly. I thank you, Lord God. Father, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Give me wisdom and insight. Speak through me as you are spoken to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. My name is Ed Castro. I serve as a pastor right here at Victory Outreach North Brooklyn. And I am persuaded and convinced that Jesus of Nazareth, who lived 2,000 years ago in Israel, is the world's creator and the one true Lord and the human face of God. So I've given my complete allegiance to him. I believe he lived a perfect life and was crucified for the sins of the world and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, being crowned as the Savior and Lord over everything. He has forgiven me of all my sins. He has given me peace with God and even peace with others. And he has dispensed his life into me, a life that I can live by. And I believe he will return to earth one day to set everything right in the world, granting eternal life to everyone who... Uh, who's given their heart to him in believing and pledging allegiance to him. I believe that the way you see your life shapes your life. And I believe that uh, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Turn your Bibles with me. My text scripture, you know, my launching pad scripture is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. No one knows who wrote Hebrews. I like to think Sister Aquila wrote Hebrews uh, under the guidance of the Apostle Paul, but no one knows who wrote Hebrews. But the Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In 2021, we want to focus on Jesus Christ. Um, if you look around what's going on in the world, there's a lot of idol prevention situations going on. God don't like idols. You know, there's famous pastors who have fallen. There's political figures who have fallen from grace. It's a lot of stuff going on. And so I just want to focus our ministry here at VONB on Jesus Christ. Because uh, I believe he's the author and finisher of our faith. And I believe Jesus is the perfect prototype and model that we can set our life after. Amen. Um, I believe if we can see God more in 2021 through the eyes of our heart, we will realize that Jesus is matchless in his worth. And he's matchless in his love and his grace. The book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 through 12. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 through 12. Now, I believe. Ephesians, Colossians, and Revelations are special books in the Bible touched by the heavens. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 12 says, Paul says, Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we now come boldly and confidently in God's presence. Oh, that's awesome scripture. One more scripture. 
Maybe two more. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 22. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and in the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in unseen worlds. Ooh, spiritual warfare stuff. And everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, the supreme over, who rise from the dead, so he is the first in everything. All right, last scripture, last scripture. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just get excited. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 19. It says, don't let any, oh, this is a good one. This is, this, this is like Pastor Ed style. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or what you drink or for not celebrating certain holy days, new moon ceremonies, or Sabbath, right? I'm saying it with attitude. Verse 17, for these rules are only shadows. Oh, somebody say shadows. Shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Talking about keeping it real, you keep it in Christ. Verse 18, don't let anyone condemn you. By insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they had visions about many of these things, their sinful mind has made them proud. Verse 19, for they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with the joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. This is amazing. Look at verse 17. This says, they are only shadows. Have you ever heard of Plato's? cave the allegory of the cave i know you have because you guys are big brains so the allegory of the cave uh ethan was talking about it no ethan was studying i think in freshman year and i act like i knew but i vaguely remember so i had a deep dive in it for a few minutes and um the allegory of the cave is a concept which the philosopher talks about the not not uh the nature of belief and knowledge and reality, right? And that people are looking at shadows and making opinions, right? He was saying people are stuck in a cave and there's a fire behind them and there's these people making shadow figures and everybody's trying to interpret it, but they just have to get outside the cave, right? And I believe the way to turn Plato's cave into Plato's rave is to know that Christ is the ultimate reality. Praise the Lord. That in, there is riches in Christ that we can know, possess, enjoy, and give out. I believe there's so many Christians that go to church. They know church churchianity. They know church world. But they don't know Christ. It's like a, 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 a man having an inheritance, right? A, a poor man that has a distant relative that they, he barely knows. And that relative dies and leaves a $100 million plus a thousand Bitcoin. And this man leaves this leaves this. Uh, in an account, but no one told the poor man about his inheritance. And imagine the, the the poor man dying old by the sweat of his brow, eating tuna fish and catfish, and dying penniless, but in the same time rich, because no one told him and no one taught him. Brothers and sisters, I don't want that to be you. I want you to be taught. I want you to be shown the freedom in loving Christ, the freedom of letting Christ uh, have an indwelling life in you. And so this year, I want to speak 
about the peak of these riches and try to make it plain and practical so you can know how to possess and live out the joy of your salvation and in this revelation. Because brothers and sisters, Jesus is the exegesis, explanation, and exposition of God. And uh, when you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at God. There's so many Christians that love the Old Testament because Old Testament got that drama narrative, right? That Caso Serrato spirit, right? And people love it. But if you really want to know what God is like, you have to look at the Gospels and see how Jesus makes his moves. And so um, last week I started and this week I'm going to continue showing how Jesus moved during the Gospel. And I want you to look at it through certain lens. The first lens is to see what God is like. The second lens is to get in the state attitude of gratitude and think about how you receive God's love in your life. And the third lens, or the third way I want you to look at it, is how us, remember, we're the body, how us and the body can ex- continue to extend this love while we're in, in, in this age of outrage or in this age of modernity. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, you guys get it. So the, last week, we looked at the first thing. We looked at the wedding of Cana, where Jesus turned the water into wine. And we looked at how Jesus removed the shame from the bridegroom. And he made moves without the bridegroom even knowing. And how he the bridegroom went from uh, lack to abundance based on Jesus uh, performing a miracle. And so I just want to remind you that God is still in the shame-removing business. And I want to remind you that there might have been a time where God removed your shame. And praise the Lord. I just want you to to keep that attitude of gratitude and to realize that God is in the shame-removing business for you to remember that and for us to be agents in the body of Christ to help people remove people's shame, that God will use us like Jesus. Then last week, we looked at the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and that this woman was abused, used, and rejected. Um... And that Jesus broke all social convention by speaking to her, by sharing water with her, by sharing the gospel with her and letting her be like an ambassador, right? And so, you know, and then he stood in the town a few days and ate with them and used their utensils. And I talked about the the the, the kind of like the prejudice or, or the disdain the Jews have for the Samaritans and how Jesus brought them together. And think about when the Lord used you, when the Lord reached out to you, when you were in a disgrace to society or when you were ostracized and stigmatized and marginalized and how the Lord reached you. And then we can think about how we're going to reach out to people who are in the outer fringes of society and extend God's love to them. And then I believe that we looked at... Um, Mark chapter 2 to scene 3, we talked about when this guy was paralyzed and Jesus was teaching and, and this guy had four good friends and they made a hole through the roof and they brought the guy down and Jesus said, your sons are for, your sins are forgiven and they, they pick up your mat and walk. And I want you to remember someone carried you to Jesus and I want you to thank God for that person. Even if that person's not even serving the Lord right now or even if that person's a little off right now, I just want you to be in a state of grace and gratitude and just show like this is what God is like, right? He forgives, he releases people, he sets people free. Who carried you and who are you carrying now to Jesus, right? And you can carry them through your prayers, your invitation, through investing and inviting. It's not um manipulation, it's motivation. And then we looked at John chapter 21 and how how God's grace, how he restores and reconciles and renews and how Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus invites him back in and has lunch with him and asks Jesus 
asked Peter three times, do you love me? And then he commissions Peter and he never brought up the rooster, right? And how God is so good and God is so forgiving and how we should extend that grace and forgiveness to others. Um, and so we want to look at a new, a new story in Luke chapter 19, right? If you could turn your Bible with me to Luke 19, because Ethan can't share this one because of my notes, it gives away my notes and I have so many typos. And so, but if you can find Luke chapter 19, we're going to read verse 1 through 10. Are you guys with me? All right. Verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. Let's stop. Now we're looking at Zacchaeus, a renowned sinner. People hated tax collectors. They hated him. All right. So let's look, let's continue verse 3. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Uh, let's stop for a second. You know, in many times in our past, we were trying to get a hold of Jesus, but we might have been part of spiritual communities that weren't really uh, receptive to people who were short on faith or short on finances or short on whatever. And and, and I, if that happened to you, I, I just want to say I'm sorry. Right? As an ambassador, as a minister, I want to say I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, so verse four, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. So we saw a renowned sinner and now we're seeing a resourceful sinner. He ran ahead, he climbed a tree, he kind of like let go of his ego, right? Because you know, you know, ego is not always your amigo. And he climbed a tree to get a look at Jesus, right? Uh, verse five, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called them by his name, Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and in joy. Oh, let's stop. So we see here a renowned sinner. We see a resourceful sinner. Now we see a received sinner. Imagine, imagine. Everybody hates this dude. He runs ahead. He humbles himself. He climbs a tree. I don't know about you, but I can't climb a tree. So, but he was like, I'm, he climbed this tree and then Jesus called them by name. He said, Zacchaeus, can you, you, you ever had somebody, imagine somebody like you really love and admire just out of nowhere and a crowd of people call your name. That would be crazy. And he says, come down. I want to go to your house. I want to break bread. And I love the Bible says he climbed down to Jesus with great excitement and joy. Oh, this is so beautiful. This is what God is like, right? Uh, verse seven, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest at a, of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. What? So we see in a renowned sinner, a resourceful sinner, a received sinner, and now we're looking at a repentant sinner. Sometimes just being in the presence of God, you make all these commitments and everything because God's presence really rocks you mm -hmm. to your core. Mm -hmm. All right. So, verse 9. 
Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And now we're looking at a redeemed, restored, and renewed sinner. Right? So we went from renowned sinner to resourceful sinner to a received sinner, to a repentant sinner, to a redeemed, restored, and renewed sinner. I want to remind you that it was the God's love. God loves the authentic. He loves the hungry. Even if they're a little shady right now, God sees how they can be, not just how they are right now. And I want to remind some of us, we were like Zacchaeus, right? We were sneaky in the world. We did people dirty. But somehow God saw us and said us our name and challenged us and, and, and changed us. And so I want to remind you to imitate Jesus. Don't just call people out. Call them in. Right? I saw a, a, a black sister in, in a restorative justice thing. And she said, we can't just call people out. We got to call them in. Because if we just keep calling them out, there's going to be more divide. But if we call them in and we gain understanding and empathy and share love, we can help people change. And so Jesus wasn't walking by and like, look at this, Bambalang Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you know you're a doo-doo-doo, right? No, he's here. I want, to, I want to break bread. He didn't call them out. He called them in. And then we called them in. He changed them from the inside out. And that's what God is like. And I want to challenge you to see what God is like. I want to challenge you to remember when God called you out, called you in. And I want to challenge you to be the body of Christ and extend his love to the Zacchaeus in your circle. All right. I think we, this is the last one. We're going to look at a simultaneous miracle and uh, an act of double grace. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, verse 40. I hope you're learning something. I hope you're being challenged. Luke 8, 40 through 56. You could share, share that what happened. It says, On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they have been waiting for him. Oh, that's good. Verse 41. And a man named Jairus, a leader in a local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. So I just want to stop and say, like, the religious people hated Jesus. And Jesus, on the other side of this story, Jesus has healed a man with many demons. I think he was called Legion. And so Jesus just, just dealt with the spiritual warfare, this high-level spiritual warfare. And he comes, everybody's waiting for him, right? He feels like he has no peace a little bit, but he knows his mission. And then a religious leader, the ops, the enemy, the hater, says, please come to my house. And Jesus went. Listen, we got to extend love to the people that don't love God sometimes. All right, verse 43. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Right? Oh, that's good. No cure. There's people that went to the Dwayne Dwyer, Wayne Dyer book clubs. There's people that read Eckhart Tolle. There's people that went to Anthony Robbins' $5,000 convention, and there's nothing wrong with that. I read those people... Uh, I love the book, The Four Agreements. I love all that stuff. But nothing compares to Christ. All that is just branches to help articulate certain things, certain truths. 
but they won't they don't heal like Jesus heals, right? So this woman went everywhere, spent money, and um nothing worked for her. Um verse 44. Coming up behind Jesus, she just touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. Verse 46. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power come out of me. Go out of me. Verse 7. The woman realized she could not stay hidden. So she began to tremble, fell to her knees in front of him. Because women of their period couldn't touch Jewish rabbis, and there was a lot of like separation at that time. And the whole, her, whole crowd heard her explain why she touched them, and she immediately became healed. Daughter, he said to her, oh, daughter, daughter, not sister, not lady, not woman, not, you know, miss, miss, why are you touching me, miss? He said, daughter, listen, he just transformed her, daughter, he used his words to lift her up. Can you imagine how she felt? God in a human body said, daughter. He said, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Her faith. Not his hem. Not the tassels. Her faith. Her faith placed in the right direction. Made her well. He said, go in peace. I like, I like that. Go in peace. I could talk about that, but uh, I, got, I only got nine more minutes. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus. See, the Lord could do two things at the same time. Hello? Hello? He could be touching Margaret's family and Jeanette's family. He could touch Jeanette's family and Ricky's family. He could move through Sister Anna and Pete, right? And so I just want to let you know that the Lord could do several things at the same time. So just because uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Syracuse is having a revival, don't think VONB can have a revival. The Lord could walk and chew gum at the same time. Hey, remember that. Because sometimes people have a scarcity thinking that when they see the Lord rising someone up, they feel like they that person's blocking their blessing. All right. <clears throat> Verse 49. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He said, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. People always tell you don't trouble the Lord. Verse 50. When Jesus heard that happen, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith. She will, and she will be healed. And when they arrived at the house, Jesus would let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James. Oh, in the court. And the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing. But he said, stop weeping. She isn't dead. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Understand that people are going to laugh at the work God is doing in your heart. But stay focused and keep your inner circle tight. When Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, My child, get up! At that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. That's good. Nutrition matters. Listen, you can have a divine healing, but you can't walk in health unless you ain't, you ain't, you're not eating right, eating light, and, and, and uh, uh, keeping it tight, working out, right? This is a good thing. This is good. You, this is like the integration of spirituality and health, right? Because he, he said, get up. He raised her up through, through faith, through power of God. And he said, give us something to eat. Verse 56, her parents were overwhelmed 
But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what happened. Listen, there's some of you God is doing something good in your life and you don't know how to articulate the anointing. You may want to keep that quiet. Not every impression needs an expression. You need to use wisdom, right? You need to learn the story of Jacob and the, and the coat of many colors and how his brothers sold them out. You need to learn from Paul the Apostle where he took 14 years before he shared his greatest revelation. And I'm not telling you not to testify, but there's certain areas that God is working in your life that you have to let it marinate. Amen? I hope you're learning something. All right. And the last one, the last one, we're looking at what God is like. We're looking at how God touched us, and we're looking at how we can extend his love to others as the body of Christ. The last one. Luke chapter 22, verse 47 through 52. Forgiving those who hurt you. It says, while he was still speaking, to, while he was still speaking a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you portraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going on, they, they said, Lord, shall we strike with our swords? Lord, do they want us to smoke us? No. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Ooh. He said, give me that. Give me that ear. Right? And he had the sword. He was nice with the sword. He was nice with the bow staff. And he cut his right ear. Verse and then Jesus said, but Jesus answered, no, answered no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed them. Listen, in spite of his his death, in spite of Judas betraying him, right? In spite of him being arrested, in spite of all the political trauma and drama, in spite of all that, Jesus healed the Roman centurion guard, and he healed his ear. And even while hanging on the cross, he managed to ask God to forgive him. And that's what God is like. He forgives people. He's kind. And you and I, we've received that forgiveness. We've received that kindness. And as the body of Christ, I want you to extend that forgiveness, and I want you to extend that kindness. In the midst of all your goals, in the midst of all your habits, remember the King of Kings loves you. And we have to let this grace and even these trials we go through lead us closer to Jesus. Jesus says, for those who share his suffering will share his reward in heaven. But the first step today is to follow Jesus Christ and make him your Lord and Savior. God says today is the day that we follow Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, At the right time I heard your prayers, and on the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you that the right time is now, and the day of salvation is now. There's some people wait, watching here, and you belong before you believe. And you haven't truly accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Why wait any longer? Today's the day to step across the line and tell Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. And how do you do that? It starts by talking to him in prayer. He's listening right now. He's already done everything that needs to be done. That's why he came to earth. That's why he died on the cross. And that's why he was resurrected. He wants to give you a gift. And the way you accept this gift is by accepting him and saying a prayer of salvation. And the prayer is just a start. And if you never prayed the prayer, maybe you can repeat after me. 
Say, today, Jesus, I want to take the first step towards you. I want to get to know you. I admit, I don't understand it all. But as much as I know how, I want to open my life to you. I want to receive your gift for me. Replace my guilt with the gift of forgiveness. Replace my worries with your gift of peace. Replace my fear of death with your gift of eternal life. Right now, I invite you to come and make your home in my heart. Sit on the throne of my heart. I pray this in your name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations. You're beginning your journey. And maybe you're watching here and you're like my good friend, Pastor Kenny, that I've been serving the Lord for decades. I just want to let you know that we can never get enough of Jesus. And if you've been in the body of Christ a long time, I want to invite you to go to another level. And don't worry about the new devils and new levels. I just want you to invite you to go to another level. I want to invite you to keep your armor of God on. I want you to be, I want to invite you to keep on the garment of praise. To keep on displaying love and kindness. To keep on being that dynamic disciple with dunamis power. You can change the world. The world, needs more, the world needs more of love. The world needs more of Jesus. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. Father, I pray for everyone in VONB to be a change agent. To go out and share your love. May they receive the revelation of this treasure. That you love us. May, we, may they have the attitude of gratitude and remember how you first touched us. And may we be committed to be the body. And continue your ministry here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.